This is the Hui Kala Baptist Church podcast, coming to you from the heart of Honolulu, Hawaii. Hui Kala is a dynamic family of faith committed to solid Bible teaching, discipleship, and helping you grow in your faith. Grab your Bible and prepare to dig deep into the Word with Pastor Anthony King. I get to say this, but turn your Bibles to the book of Galatians, if you would. We're winding down this series in Galatians as we've gone verse by verse to the book of Ephesians. Uh, about 37 or so messages that we've uh, preached so far. Uh, so we've got one more tonight, one next week, and then we are done. And we're moving on to the book of James. I am so excited about that. Uh, I've been reading through the book of James almost every day uh, as part of my daily devotional readings. There's just so much wisdom, so much truth in the book of James. It's a short-ish book, and the fact that it'll probably take you less than 20 minutes or so to read the whole book, uh, but it's going to take us uh, longer than 20 minutes or so to unpack the whole thing. So uh, we're probably going to be in the book of James for a while just because there's so much truth there. So if you want to get ahead, and I know that you do, uh, read the book of James this week. I know for sure it'll help you in your Christian walk for sure. Tonight's message, I, I believe, incredibly important. There's a, a principle here that if you get a hold of it, it'll change your life. And I know the whole Bible changes your life, and I know that every biblical principle has the ability to change your life. This right here is critically important to the life of a Christian. Uh, Galatians chapter 6, we're going to start in uh, verse number, actually, let's just start in verse number 1 uh, as we uh, read through. We're going to read through verse number 10 here tonight. Galatians 6, uh, verse number 1, if you remember, we're coming on the context of what it means to walk in the Spirit and not fulfill the lust of the flesh. We're coming in on the heels of what is the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. We're coming into those that have, our Christ, have crucified the flesh and the affections with lust. Verse number one, brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, restore such a one in the spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. We took a look at that last week. If you missed that, uh, catch it on our podcast. Bear you one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. For if a man think himself to be something, when he is nothing, he deceiveth himself. But let every man prove his own work, and then he shall have rejoicing in himself alone and not in another. For every man shall bear his own burden. Let him that is taught the word communicate unto him that teacheth in all good things. Verse number seven, you should circle, you should star, you should underline, you should commit it to memory, you should share it with your children, uh, you should write it on a three-by-five card and carry it around with you this week. Verse number seven, critically important, be not deceived. God is not mocked. For whatsoever man soweth, that shall he also reap. For he that soweth to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption, but he that soweth to the Spirit shall reap life everlasting. And let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. As we have therefore opportunity, let us do good unto all men, especially unto them who are of the household of faith. This idea of sowing and reaping is so critical to the Christian life. Whatever we're planting, we're eventually going to receive a crop of, and we need to be prepared for that. You're really smart, and so I just want to test your uh, intelligence tonight. If I plant corn, and I water it, and I tend to it, eventually what is going to grow? Corn, right? If I plant watermelon seeds, I'm planting watermelon seeds, I'm putting them in dirt, I'm watering them, taking really good care of them, they get plenty of sunlight, they're being well taken care of. What's going to grow as a result of that? 
watermelons, right? Even kids can get this. No, no uh, mystery here. Can you imagine if I planted corn and then I came back in, I don't know, six to eight weeks and I saw, oh man, I got corn. I was really hoping for watermelon this time around. You'd say, well, that's foolish. If you want watermelon, you got to plant watermelon seeds. If you want corn, you got to plant corn. That's how this thing works. Yes. But can you imagine the shock in many Christians' lives when they live the ways of the world? They live for self. They live in a sinful behavior. And then the things that come out of their lives, they're just like, oh, why is this happening to me? Well, this is what you've planted, and now this is what you're going to harvest as a result of it. This idea of sowing and reaping is critical to this life. It's critical to helping people find eternal life, and we're going to take a look at that here tonight. Just about every world religion has some sort of idea of sowing and reaping. Uh, for example, Buddhism has the idea of karma, where the energy that you put out into the universe will come back to you eventually. Uh, now, we don't subscribe to karma because we're Christians. We don't believe that there is some positive and negative energy out in the world that's at, at odds with one another. We believe in good and evil. We believe if you sow evil things, you will reap evil harvest. Uh, so if you want to call that karma, I guess you could, but the Bible calls it sowing and reaping. And this is so incredibly important to our lives. If you want God's blessings from your life, you want God's blessings on your life, you want good things for your family, you want good things for your children, it's all about what you're planting, 100%. Because whatever you plant is eventually going to come to harvest. If you plant in your marriage strife, anger, distrust, malice, hatred, you know what you're gonna get out of that? All of those nasty things. You treat your children with disrespect, unkindness, hateful words, you know what you're gonna get back from that eventually? the exact same thing. You know, it's funny, sometimes people excuse their children's behavior by like, oh, they're just teenagers. That's just how teenagers are. I, I, I don't subscribe to that. Well, you know, I try to hug my teen, but my teen always pushes me off. You know how teenagers are. No, actually, I don't. I hug my, my teenage son in public, and he gives me a hug back, and it doesn't bother him. You know why? Because I've been putting something in him for the last 17 years that eventually is going to come to harvest. Had I be been put into his life duplicity, I'm going to act like this way in public and act a different way at home. Had I be duplicit in the fact this is how I act at church, like everything's okay, and then when I'm at home, I'm a totally different person, then that fosters in your children anger and distrust and, and duplicitous behavior even on their own behalf. So again, we gotta be careful about what we're planting because what we plant will eventually come to harvest. If you're taking notes, I highly recommend that you do. Write down these quick laws of the harvest. First of all, this is really simple. You reap what you sow. Simple as that. <coughs> when I was in Bible college, uh, I was... Um, I was an adult man when I finished my Bible college degree. I was in my mid-30s. I had a wife and uh, three kids at the time when I went through Bible college and I took great care in studying for my exams and things like that. And you always want to pray before an exam. Lord, help you remember the things that you studied. But I, I knew some, some kids that I was going through college with at the time that their whole plan for making it through college was prayer. Like, I'm not going to study. I'm just going to pray that God's going to help me pass this test. Hey, you will, when it comes to test time, you will reap what you have shown. Simple as that. 
You didn't study, you're not gonna make the grade. It doesn't matter how much you pray because you haven't sown the right things. And you'll always reap what you sow. The Bible says if we, hear if we, reap, if we sow spiritual things, we're gonna reap spiritual things. The thing about the harvest, you can't rush the harvest, so you always reap after you sow. You always reap after you sow. You reap what you sow, that's a given, but you always reap afterwards. My son Thatcher was probably about five years old, and uh, he said, Dad, I want to grow something. I said, man, let's grow a watermelon. I want to grow something big, right? Uh, I don't want to grow something small that you sit on the, uh, the, the windowsill that grows a little bit over time. I want to grow something big that at the end of it, we can cut it open and eat it and have a party. That's what I want, grow something big. So we went and bought some watermelon seeds, and we went and bought a big bag of miracle Grow because I don't want to grow an average-sized watermelon. I want to grow a big watermelon. And I don't want to grow them slowly. I want to grow them quickly. And so uh, we spent a lot of money uh, buying a bunch of stuff, reading a bunch of labels. I didn't know what I was doing. This is long before uh, Google or YouTube or anything like this. This is back in the days, for those of you that know, of like Alta Vista. That was the days that this was, right? And so there wasn't any look this up on your phone because your phone didn't have internet capability. You're just reading labels and you go, yeah, this says grow fast. I want that. Give me a bag of that. And so we mixed all this junk together in the backyard and we put all of our watermelon seeds in there and we, man, we drowned that thing in water make sure that it was plenty hydrated and stuff like that and he asked me dad how long does it take to grow a watermelon well I don't really know I've never done this before but when it comes it's going to be big and it's going to be so big we can cut it up you can take some to your teacher at school we could take it and share it with the kids down the street we're gonna grow big watermelon son he was like yeah dad yeah it's good so about three or four days passed. He goes, Dad, is the watermelon ready yet? Not yet, son, not yet. He goes, well, is it at least growing? And I thought, I don't know. How do you find out? Well, let's go dig up our seeds and see if they're growing. So go out there and we find all of our seeds, and sure enough, they're not growing yet. One of them looked like it was trying to poke through a little bit, but I thought, ah, not really going to do anything. So put it back in there, watered it some more, patted it down, put more of that miracle grow on the top of it and everything. We sit there and waited, you know. Another week goes by or so, and I go back out there. I don't see anything. I dig them back up and look at them. They're not really doing anything. I don't see anything happening. Hello, you cannot rush the harvest. <laughs> it takes time. And when you plant something, it's going to take time for it to grow, but eventually it will grow, and eventually it will come to harvest. This is either very, very exciting or incredibly terrifying. Because if I'm planting good stuff, it's only a matter of time before good stuff comes out. I want my kids to turn out well. And people say, well, what's the standard of that? They get into a good college and make good grades and have X grade point average. No, I want my kids to grow up and love Jesus and live righteously. That's it. I don't care what they do with their life or what profession or vocation that they have. I just want them to love Jesus and live for him. Simple as that. And that'll be my standard of if my kids turn out right. I want them to do that. But I'm not just hoping that happens. My wife have been planting things in their life for over two decades that will get the type of harvest that we want to see. I'm not just hoping that it works out. We don't just drop our kids off in a kid's class on Sunday morning and say, well, I hope the, hope the teachers do their job this week. No, no, no. I've been planting. I've been nurturing. I've been taking care for two decades into their lives because eventually that's going to come to harvest. Just about every one of us in this room could tell a story about our dads. And you say, well, my dad wasn't around. That's your story of your dad. My dad was disconnected from my life. That's your story. Some of us can tell stories of things that our dads actually put into us. My dad never really taught me much about the Bible. They took me to church and I learned a lot at church about the Bible. 
But my dad personally never taught me a lot about the Bible, but he taught me about loving people. He taught me about treating people the way that Jesus would treat people. I saw that in his life. My dad taught me by his actions that when God gives you something, you give it back to him. I remember if there were 52 weeks in a year, I saw my dad 52 weeks out of the year take his tithe check out of his pocket and put it in the offering basket when it came by without fail. I learned a lot from that. My dad didn't teach me a lot about working on cars. I kind of had to figure that out on my own. I'm still not very good at that. Uh, My dad didn't teach me a lot about uh, managing my personal finances or anything like that. I still had to figure that out on my own. A lot of trial and error with that. But my dad taught me to always put God first. He taught me that. And that's come out of my life because it was a seed that was planted 40 plus years ago. Eventually came to harvest. So it's gonna take time for that to come to harvest, but it will. Now, this works both ways though. You plant in your marriage, you plant in your children, you plant in your workplace, you plant in your friendships, anger, distrust, gossip, filthy talk, All that's gonna come out eventually, I promise you. And it might not come out right away, but it will come out with time, guaranteed. Guaranteed, it's only a matter of time before those things come out. I was walking through the living room and my daughter Tallulah was playing in her dollhouse this past week and she had uh, two people and they were talking back and forth to each other and she's, Tallulah talks nonstop as it is. She's two years old, but she does not quit. And I'm walking past, I'm walking into to my bedroom. She's in there playing with her and they're talking back and forth and she has one of them and it hits the other one and, and the other one goes like this. She goes, stop it, weirdo. Stop it, weirdo. Like, where did that come from? Like, what two-year-old when they're playing goes, oh, stop it, weirdo. And I realize the only place to pick up stuff like that is around our house. Have we ever said stop it, weirdo in our house? Definitely. How long did it take for that to come out? Minutes, I'm sure. But what we put in eventually will come out. And that's the law of the harvest. You always reap what you sow. You always reap after you sow. You always reap in proportion to what you sow. If I plant one watermelon seed, what's the maximum crop that I can have of watermelon? Help me with that. One. You plant one seed, you got a chance at one watermelon. What if that seed doesn't make it? Then you get zero watermelon from that harvest. What happens, though, if I plant 10,000 watermelon seeds. How much of a harvest do I have then? Oh, now it's considerably larger. Why? Because we always reap in proportion to what we sow. I'm always encouraging you to share your faith with somebody, invite a coworker to church, or invite somebody to uh, our Easter services, or invite somebody to our open house Sunday. Share your faith with people. I've known people before who said, well, pastor, I invited one of my coworkers one time. They said they were gonna come, but they didn't, Okay. So I just don't do it anymore. Wait, what? You passed out one invite and they didn't come? Yeah, doesn't work. No, you just haven't sown enough seed yet. It takes time. Uh, Jesus did not bat a thousand when sharing truth with people. He, you know what he did when he found somebody that didn't accept truth? He moved on to somebody else that would. And so we always reap in proportion to what we sow. So that means we gotta sow it a lot. We don't teach our kids something one time and just hope that they get it. No, we continue to teach it over, over, over again. As employees, we don't have our employer teach us something once and then we just automatically have it. No, we continue to go back to it again and again and again. Teachers and educators continue to drill the same truth in over and over and over and over again. Hey, look, if you've been at Who We Call for any length of time, you'll know every single week we're gonna talk about the Bible. Every single week we're gonna talk about the gospel, what Jesus Christ has done through us through his death, burial, and resurrection as the payment of sin for mankind. 
Every week I'm gonna talk to you about your sin and analyzing yourself and making sure that you're walking righteously and holy before God. We're gonna do that every single week. Why? Because we need to be reminded again and again and again. I'm sowing that into you week after week, hoping to see a harvest at some point in your life. We have to do the same with every area of our life. Now again, we're speaking in general terms because this passage is in a general sense of the you reap what you sow. So you reap what you sow, you reap after you sow, you reap in proportion to how much you sow. And you always reap more than you sow. That's the neat thing about God's harvest is that we always get more than what we've actually sown. I'm thankful that who we call a Baptist church is a place where people can come hear the gospel and be saved. <laughs> we had a man accept Christ as Savior last, last Sunday morning. Awesome. One of our men sat down with him, went through the gospel with him, and he got saved. But did you know that that was a harvest from a seed that had been planted weeks ago when a coworker had invited him to church? And he came and he heard the gospel, did not get saved the first time, came back, continued to hear truth. We gave him a book to read. It talked about the gospel. He took it home and he read it, came back, and he had some questions. And he received truth last week. We saw a harvest from a seed that had been planted long before. But you know, the man that had led him to Christ didn't plant that seed at all. He was just ready for the harvest. So he reaped more than he sowed, actually, in that case. Every week we have folks that come to our church and say, hey, we're looking for a church home. Hey, some, a friend recommended this, and we receive fruit that we didn't actually plant ourselves because we always reap more than we sow. I'm thankful that God's harvest is not about how much we work, but how much God can be at work in the lives of so many people. I'm always amazed when I have the opportunity to lead somebody to Christ, and they say, uh, man, this feels good. I know my grandmother would want to know because she's been praying for me for years. And it's like, oh man, I love that. Grandma's praying for you to get saved and you finally did it. And I got to be a part of that. Hey, she maybe planted a seed or watered a seed, but I got to see the harvest of that. I mean, I love to see what God's doing in people's lives. I'm excited about our kids in our Awana program, being able to fast forward 20 years from now and see what God does in the lives of, of these folks. Two of our ladies that are leaders in our Awana program, uh, Iris Peralta and Crystal Diablo, were both in Awanas themselves as kids. And they said, uh, Crystal told me, she said, Pastor, I wouldn't be in church today if it wasn't for my Awana leader when I was a kid. That's why she's so passionate about it. Uh, Iris uh, said, I know so many Bible verses and I know so much about the Bible because of what Awana did for me. Somebody planted a seed in their lives 20, 30 years ago, that now, guess what? We're receiving the fruit from that. My children are receiving the fruit from this where we actually uh, didn't actually plant any seed at all. So you always reap after you sow and you always reap more than you sow. You always reap what others have sown. This is a benefit of being a part of God's harvest because we're able to see the fruit of what God's done in somebody else's life. I'm thankful for every person who comes and commits to being a church member here at Hui College Baptist Church. Many times they come having learned a lot about the Bible from their previous church or under the leadership of a previous pastor. I'm always thankful for that, that they can bring what they've learned along the way to our church and we can actually uh, receive fruit that other people have actually sown. But here's the important part. Other people reap what you've sown as well. Again, this goes both good and bad. If I plant truth into someone's life and they go on with that truth, then other people can reap the benefits of that. If I've planted something negative in their life, other people reap the repercussions of that as well. I'm thankful that last year as a church who we call a Baptist church sent out 
And so we lost, we sent out over 100 people who are now serving in other churches around the United States, really around the world. I'm thankful for that. This year we'll have another opportunity to send probably 50 or 60 that I know of on to somewhere, some other part of the world to be able to serve in another church somewhere else and other people can reap the fruit that we have sown. That's how this whole thing works. And I'm thankful for the way the harvest works. It's not about how much work I've done, it's about how much work God can do through that. This is especially true, and this is why it's so important for us as a church. This is especially true, these laws of the harvest. This is true when we talk about sowing the seed of the gospel. If you haven't figured out yet here who we call the gospel is a big deal to us. The gospel is the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ for the sins of mankind. That's why we do what we do. It drives us. It is our mission to go, win, baptize, teach, The gospel is our message. We talk about it every single time we gather together because you need to remember, first of all, why you need a savior and secondly, why he's so great. And we take the gospel and we can either do what the Bible says and hide it under a bushel or we can let our light shine so that other people can be drawn to our heavenly father. We choose to let our light shine. Again, this is why we have invitation cards with the gospel on the back because it's the most important news in the entire world. This is why we pass these out everywhere that we go. Hey, did you get one of these yet? Hey, I wanted to give you an invitation to my church. Hey, I see you're super busy, but on the back of this is an invitation to church. It talks about how you can know for sure when you die, you're on your way to heaven. Every time we go to a restaurant, I always leave one with a waiter with a good tip. Again, I wanna leave a a good tip because this is how a person makes their living. Even if it's terrible service, I always tip the minimum because I wanna give them a gospel tract. Because again, at the end of the day, it's not about me, it's about Jesus. I want people to be drawn to Christ. Many times I'll leave a tip and I'll draw an arrow and say, read this, and I'll leave a gospel track there. Why? Because it's so important. Just sowing seed. You say, well, does that actually work? I don't know. I'm not responsible for the harvest. I'm just responsible for throwing out the seed. I'm not, God has never asked me to keep an Excel spreadsheet of all the people that I've won to Christ. I might like that because I love data and analytics, but uh, that's not what I'm called to do. I'm just called to sow seed. End result is up to God. I just have to be faithful with the seed. Now, if I keep all my seed in a closet and keep it locked up and never actually get any seed out, then that's how much harvest I'm gonna have because you always reap in proportion to what you sow. But if I'm constantly sowing seed again and again and again, eventually there'll come a harvest. One of the men in our church, probably, I don't know, three years or so ago, we'd gone over to Macaroni Grill to have dinner. He was getting ready to, to leave uh, and go somewhere else. We had dinner together, and we left a gospel track with our, our waitress. And she came uh, after we paid the bill, left a tip. Again, if you don't tip, I've got some uh, Watchtower magazines that you can leave whenever you eat at a restaurant. Uh, leave those. Don't leave uh, who we call a track if you're a terrible tipper or if you're, uh, if you're rude. Uh, so, uh, but um, some of you will get that on the way home. Uh, And guys, if you didn't get that, have your wife explain it to you on the way home. How about that? Uh, But uh, I left a tip and and a a gospel track, and she came out. We were standing in the lobby area. She came out, and she says, hey, do you have a program for kids? And I said, yeah, down at the bottom it says, loving child care provided for every service. She says, well, I have a daughter that I'd like to bring. I said, man, bring her for sure. Uh, And she came for several weeks. She uh, she was saved here. Uh, She was going to get baptized, ended up moving to a different part of the island and did did not actually get baptized. But she was here for like six weeks, and she grew as a Christian. She met Jesus Christ and grew as a Christian. Why? Because we left a gospel track at a restaurant. Now, does that happen every time? No, it doesn't. I wish it did. But again, I'm not responsible for the results. I'm just responsible for sowing seed. 
And the gospel is the most important seed that we have. Uh, that's why we have the invite cards that we have with the gospel on the back. That's why we have the books paid in full. Um, take one of those and pass them out. It's a, a short gospel presentation, probably 60 or so pages. Uh, you could probably read in an hour or so. If somebody has more questions about the gospel, always give them a copy of paid in full. So read this when you get a chance. Why do we do that? Because the gospel is the most important message that we have. And as we sow more seed, we'll see more of harvest. This is also true when we sow the seeds of our thoughts, our words, and our actions. It's eventually gonna come to fruition. That's why the Bible says that we should take every thought captive, that we shouldn't allow thoughts to just continue in our mind. We're to stop them in their tracks because thoughts lead to actions, to behaviors, to words. And if I sow wrong thoughts, I'll eventually have wrong actions. Have you ever, this has probably never happened to any of you, so I'll confess my own sin to you. Uh, have you ever thought something in your mind that was incredibly terrible and you thought to yourself, well, at least I didn't say it out loud, right? I thought it, but I didn't, at least I didn't verbalize it and actually say it. Did you know that the Bible makes no distinction between those two? That your mind and your heart are just as open to God as the words that you say. So that's why we gotta be careful with the thoughts that we think because these are so seeds that we sow. Hey, look, if I think enough hateful thoughts in my mind but I never actually say it, there's gonna come a time where I'm actually gonna say it. If I think enough sinful thoughts, I might not act on them, I'm just thinking of them. There's gonna come a time where I'm eventually going to act on my sinful thoughts because that's the natural progression. That's why I cannot afford to sow seeds of negative thoughts, negative words, negative actions, sinful thoughts, sinful words, sinful actions, because eventually that's gonna bring something out and I'm not gonna like what I get. So we have to be careful with that because what we sow, we're eventually going to reap. That's why the Bible tells Fathers, provoke not your children to wrath. Don't make your kids angry. And my wife sometimes says, well, that's why you shouldn't pick on the boys. That's why you shouldn't put the boys in headlocks and give them noogies and give them wedgies and stuff like that. Hey, that's part of being a dad. That's part of being a boy dad especially, right? That's not provoking your children to wrath. You know what provokes your children to wrath? Duplicity, lies, untruthfulness, lack of character, lack of integrity. That provokes your children to wrath. Oh, you want to call yourself a Christian? You want to sit in church on Sunday morning? You want to nod your head when the pastor talks with you and get in the car and you use foul language? You get in the car and, and you, you're unkind to, to our mother? You, you, you nod your head when the pastor talks about living righteously and holy, but then you drink too much on the weekends or you watch things on television that you shouldn't or that one time I got your phone and there was things on there that shouldn't have been on your phone? Yeah, that provokes your children to wrath a lot more than, than giving them noogies. Kids need noogies. It's good for them. That's probably in the Bible somewhere too. But you know what? What I'm sowing is a seed that's eventually going to come to harvest. And I gotta be careful with that. And many times single adults think to themselves this, whew, well, I don't have a wife, I don't have a husband, I don't have kids, I don't have to worry about that. No, no, no. You're sowing seeds that will now come to harvest later in your adult life. So you don't get to just sow your wild oats and then one day pray for a crop failure. It doesn't work that way. 
you don't get to do what you want now because one day you're going to be tied down and one of these days you're going to be married and you want to get all of it out of your system. Now, that's the dumbest thing in the world that you could do because know this, you might be sowing these seeds as a single person, but the fruit from it's going to come maybe later when you're married, maybe when you do have children, maybe when you do have to answer for the things that you've done to, to another person. Careful with that. Just know what you're sowing now will eventually come out. That's why I want to challenge you to sow the word of God in your life. You want that kind of harvest. And again, that's a, a seed that you'll sow that you'll want to see come to fruition six months from now, six years from now, 60 years from now. You're going to want to see that. Man, sow love in your life. You're going to want to see the result of loving and serving other people. You're going to want to see what comes from that, I promise you. Sow acts of kindness to people. Man, you're going to want to see the fruit that comes from that. What a great time last night at the basketball game with uh, uh, Hawaii Pacific University men's basketball team. Had the opportunity to talk to one of the guys on the team uh, afterwards when we were having uh, a chat there. I said, hey, man, did you grow up in church? And he goes, I didn't. He said, I went to a, it was called a teen life group when I was a, a, a teenager in high school. And he said, I think it was kind of a church. I'm not really sure, but didn't really grow up in church. I said, well, did you get to come whenever um, the, the basketball team, team came to church back in September? He goes, yeah, yeah, I was there for that. I said, good, what'd you think? I said, I know you're gonna say it was good, but really tell me what you think. He goes, no, I really like it. I said, your people are super friendly. He goes, like all this, this is awesome. Said, man, good, glad to hear it. And I said, you know, what do you think is going to happen to you when all, all this is over? And he was like, well, I'm not sure what I'm going to do after college yet. I go, no, 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 when, when everything's over. I said, what do you think happens to us? He said this, stop me in my tracks. He goes, I don't know. He goes, I'm really just trying to figure it all out right now. So I'm really, really interested in that. And it's just like, hello, I can help. You know, and about that time, somebody comes in and butts in. And it's like, oh, hey, pastor, thanks for coming out. We, we had a great time. It's just like, ah, wait, that was a really important conversation. And then, and then he split. But here's the thing. I, I, I sowed a seed there, and guess what? I'm going to be watering that throughout the weeks to come. Ask Coach today for his contact information. I'm going to shoot him a text, see if he can grab coffee or something like that. I'm going to send him a Bible, send him some books, stuff like that. Hey, that's a seed. He said, well, what if he doesn't get saved? I'm not on the hook for that. I'm just on the hook for making sure that that seed gets planted and it gets watered because I want to see that come to fruition. But you know what it all started with? It started with a church family who sowed a seed of an act of kindness towards people. We want to see fruit from that. So we have to be careful with what we sow because it'll eventually come to harvest. Verse number eight in our passage, if we sow to our flesh, we shall of the flesh reap corruption. You sow to your flesh, you reap corruption. Just know this, you're involved in sin you're going to see the harvest. You're going to see the consequences. You're going to see the repercussions of your sin. It's only a matter of time. Stop it. Stop sowing to your flesh. It's not worth it. And again, lest we be general in our understanding of what works of the flesh are, if you back up to Galatians chapter 5, verse number 19, now the works of the flesh are these, which are manifest, which are these, adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envies, murders, drunkenness, and revelings. That's just a, a short list. You sow those things in your life, it's only a matter of time before they come out, and just know this, it won't be good. And I've known people before who think to themselves, 
I've got my sin under wraps. Nobody will find out. Nobody's going to ever know about this. That couldn't be further from the truth. Be sure your sin will find you out. It's not a matter of if you get caught in your sin. It's a matter of when you get caught. So just be careful with that because you're putting things in that you do not want to see a harvest of. And you think to yourself you can get away with your sin. You can never, ever, ever get away from your sin. Guaranteed. You will endure, first of all, the consequences of your sin. Secondly, you'll endure chastisement from God because of your sin. Hebrews chapter 12 tells us you gotta be careful with that. Sin's not something to mess with. And if you plant sin, fleshly behavior in your life, it's gonna come back corruption. Nothing good is gonna come from it except hurt, pain, destruction, all of it. You can't afford it. Stop planting that stuff. You don't wanna see that. single adults, I want to challenge you with this. You're thinking about a dating relationship with someone else. First of all, make sure that they're a believer. The Bible tells us we shouldn't be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. They need to be a Christian. And this is not some guy who, I think in his Instagram bio, it says believer. I think that might mean he's a Christian. And one time on Easter, he posted something. It was kind of a sunrise. I think he might be a Christian. And so, no, no, I'm talking about real deal love Jesus Christian. That's what you want, first of all. Secondly, you want to start your relationship off on the right foot, on the right foundation, Jesus Christ. Thirdly, keep yourself sexually pure until the day that you get married, period. You say, well, I've already messed up. Then start today. Keep yourself sexually pure until the day that you get married because if you start planting seeds of carnal behavior, it's only a matter of time before that's going to come out for harvest, and you don't want that. You don't want to start your relationship off on the wrong foot. You want to start it off on the right foot. And people say, well, pastor, you know, we, we got to live together because Hawaii is really expensive. The Bible doesn't give you parameters or an out for sin because it happens to be in a high cost of living area, right? It doesn't work that way. The Bible says make no provision for the flesh. Don't do it. Don't go there because you don't want the fruit that comes from it. But I'm telling you this, in single adults in a dating relationship, you, you begin to plant in your dating relationship holiness, righteousness, godliness. You're going to love the fruit that comes out. I didn't read the whole article this week, but uh, uh, evidently there was an Olympic athlete who had said that she uh, regrets telling uh, people about her desire for virginity before marriage. And basically, I just skimmed the headline, basically this girl had said uh, that since she came out as a Christian and that she wanted to remain pure until marriage, she hasn't gotten any dates since then. I thought to myself, okay, who wants to be with a bunch of guys who just want to use your body? That's not a bad thing. But the article was written from a negative slant, like, oh, she's ruined her dating life because she came out as a, a maintaining her sexual purity. Good for her. And let me, let me just tell you this, ladies. When you put the meat out, the only thing that you attract are flies. Just know that. If you want to catch guys with sexuality, know the only thing that you're going to get is garbage. Meat attracts maggots. That's it. Don't go there. Godly men are attracted to godly women. And men, you want to have a shot at a godly woman? Be a godly man because no godly woman wants some carnal, fleshly, sinful man. Try to help you to sow the right things in your life because you want the harvest that comes from that. So you sow to the flesh, you reap corruption. You sow to the spirit, you reap eternal benefits. When I begin to sow to the spirit, spiritual things, eternal benefits come from that. 
Well, how do I show to the Spirit? Pastor, I'm glad that you asked me. If you look just right up above where you're at in your Bible reading right now to Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 and 23, it will tell you, love. When I begin to sow seeds of love, I will reap spiritual benefits from that that don't just last for this lifetime, they last for all of eternity. When I sow joy into my life and the life of others, I reap eternal benefits from that. When I sow peace into the life of my life and the people around me, I reap eternal benefits from that. When I sow long-suffering into my life and the life of others around me, we go through all nine of these. Spiritual things, I reap spiritual benefits. When I sow seeds of holiness and godliness and righteousness into my life, I reap eternal benefits from that and others around me reap those same benefits because again, you reap what you sow but others around you reap what you sow as well. Here's, here's an awesome thought. My parents made a decision when they were first married. They got married at 18 years old. They made a decision when first married, if God ever gives his children, we're gonna have them in church every time the doors are open. And me and my brother, were in church every single time the doors are open because my parents made a commitment. Guess what? I am a beneficiary of that decision that they made 50 plus years ago. I benefit from that. But you know who else benefited from that decision? My wife benefited from that decision. I'm a better husband to her because I decided to walk with Jesus because of a decision my parents made. Who else is a beneficiary of that? My children are. My children now have benefited from a decision that their grandparents made. Guess what? You've benefited from a decision that my parents have made. But you wanna go one step further. My mom was raised by a stepmother only for a brief window of time in her teen years. My grandfather was an alcoholic and was married seven times, but one of his wives, who was not my mom's biological mother, really took on a role of loving my mom. And she would take all the kids to church on Sunday morning because it was the right thing to do, and she was a Christian. And my mom, at 16 years old, in church, heard the gospel and got saved because of her stepmother bringing her to Jesus. Guess what? A woman in a terrible marriage with an abusive husband was in charge of a bunch of kids that didn't even belong to her, but she chose to love them and bring them to Jesus. And that seed that was sown when my mom was 16 years old, that would have been 54 years ago that seed was sown, is bringing forth fruit today. We gather together and worship Jesus today because of a woman 54 years ago, in a terrible marriage, just wanted to be faithful to Jesus with what she had. That's what I'm talking about when we sow spiritual things, we reap eternal benefits from it. You don't know the, sow, the seed that you're sowing this week, what will come from it, and frankly, it doesn't really matter because at the end of the day, God's the God of the harvest. We just gotta keep sowing seed. When I joined the Navy, I was still trying to find my identity and who I was. I knew that I believed in God, but I'd been disappointed with church and Christians and things like that. And I'd come to the idea that I believed in God, but I, I thought the church was a lie and there weren't any true Christians out there that really believed the Bible. I remember my very first duty station that I got in, though, the workspace that I was at, the senior chief that was in charge of, of my office was a real deal committed Christian who loved Jesus, who we'd have meetings and stuff like that, and one, somebody would pop off with a curse word. He'd say, hey, we don't talk like that around in this, in this workspace here. 
oh, this, what's this guy's deal? Oh, he's a Christian. Wow. A Christian that is in the Navy and doesn't cuss? Never heard of that before. Shocker. But then I started watching him. Oh, yeah, he doesn't cuss, but what else does he do? I couldn't find anything, and I watched, and I realized, wait a minute. You can be a real committed Christian and still have the respect of your peers? I want to do that. You can be a committed Christian and not be perfect, but really live out your morals and your values? I want to do that. And I'm telling you this, I learned more from, from Dana Huddle than I'd ever learned from any other Christian in any church that I'd ever been in my entire life at that point in my life. He ended up making warning officer and retired from the Navy and lives in Florida now. I still keep in touch with him. Send him a Christmas card this Christmas. Thanks for your impact in my life. 22 years later. Don't ever forget that the seed that you sow, while might be insignificant at the time, has eternal lasting impact. That's why we have to take great care in what we sow. Next. We'll one day reap what we've sown. Again, this is the, the harvest. One of these days, everything you've sown will come to fruition. And that day is either going to be really good or it's going to be really bad. And when marriages fall apart, they fall apart because of selfishness that's been sown throughout the marriage relationship. Usually when folks come to me and they sit down across the table from me and they say things like, well, I just don't love her anymore or she doesn't treat me the way she used to whenever we were first married. The seeds of selfishness have already been sown sometimes for even decades before they get to that point. And now they're just seeing the harvest of the seeds that they've sown. What if we could back up and start sowing good seeds in our marriage? What if we could back up and start sowing good seeds in our children's life? And I wish I could go back 20 years in my marriage and do things differently now, knowing what I know now. But I can't. So you know what I can do? Just start planting better seed from here going forward. Always tell Thatcher, Thatcher was the guinea pig for us. He was our first kid. We didn't know what we were doing. We never had kids before. We just tried it out and see what it worked, you know. And uh, I feel bad for him. I wish I could go back 25 years and do things a little bit differently, but I can't. This is what it is. But you know what I can do in his life as a 25-year-old man? I can keep sowing the good seed that I've been putting in his life. I can keep doing that because eventually that's going to bring fruition. Hey, one of these days I'm going to be dead and gone. And you know what's going to be left in the lives of my children? The seed that I've sown. It's the only thing that's going to be left. You know, one of these days I'm going to be dead and gone and some other dude's going to be the pastor of this church. And you know what's going to, the only thing that's going to be left of me is the seed that I've sown in the lives of the people that have come through and called this place their home. I want lasting fruit. One of these days, I'm going to be dead and gone. I told my wife, I'm going to die before you do because I can't live without you. Uh, and women have a longer life expectancy than men, so uh, she's going to outlive me. That's fine. But you know what I want left over at the end of my days? The seed that I've sown into her life. I want that to carry on. My girls, one day, are going to grow up and get married when they're 50 or so. Um, 45, they can start dating. That's okay. Uh, but uh, you know what's going to come out in their lives if and when they get married? the seed that I've sown, I want it to be good seed. And so the idea of your seed coming to harvest is either incredibly encouraging or it's actually terrifying to you because of the seed that you've sown. I think all of us, if we were honest, we'd say, man, if anything good comes from my life, it's the grace of God. I've, I've made a mess of my life every opportunity I've got. I get that, I get that. 
the grace of God is the only reason that any of us are here tonight. And any good and perfect gift that we have, the Bible says, comes down from the Father of lights and who is no variables, neither shadow of turning. Every good gift you got came from God. I get it. But I think all of us could look back and say, I'm where I'm at today because of the seed that I've sown. I'm where I'm at today because of the choices that I made. It's a man that got uh, saved here last year and was baptized. His first Sunday was open house Sunday and he said, I'll never forget it as long as I live. He said, I sat here having made a mess of my life and you said, if you wanna change your life, just start making better decisions. And he goes, it was the simplest thing. And he said, but it struck me. I'm where I'm at today because of the poor decisions that I've made. I think he would tell you he sowed some terrible seed and that he saw it come to fruition and he didn't like what he found. So one of these days, your harvest is coming and I wanna help you to be prepared for a harvest of joy. My goal as a pastor is to help you stand before God one day with joy, not regret. That's my job. That's what drives me every day, to get you ready for the day that you see Jesus and that you'll see him with joy, not regret. But that comes from planting some good seed in your life. Here's the fact. We may never see the result of our work. Never. My grandmother that brought my mom to Christ, she died when I was in fourth grade. She never knew what happened in my life. She never saw the result of her faithfulness. She never saw that brief window in the midst of a terrible abusive marriage that she made an eternal lasting impact in people's lives. She didn't see it. And we might never see the result of our work that we do in this life, and that's okay because at the end of the day, we're not trying to magnify self, we're trying to magnify Jesus. The seed that I sow is not for me and what I can get from it, the seed that I sow is so that others can know Christ and so that he can be pleased with my life. Take a look at verse number nine in our passage. Let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. Faint not. You're gonna reap one day, and if you wanna reap a good harvest, you gotta keep plugging away. You see, the harvest isn't based on perfection, but it's based on persistence. It's not about have you sowed perfect seed your whole life. None of us have. It's not about did you have that period in your life where you were rebellious and you sowed some terrible seed. Most of us have gone through a period of life like that. Sometimes we've gone through life where we had a bag full of seed that just sat in the closet. We didn't do anything with it. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about can you be faithful to the end? Are you willing to see this thing through? Because in due season, you'll reap what you want if you're willing to be consistent. Nobody's perfect, but can you be consistent? Nobody's perfect, but can you be persistent? Can you persevere? Then you'll see the harvest that you want. Then you'll see God bring the blessings that you desire. I wanna challenge you, just be faithful, just be faithful exciting for me to see some of the original teens that we had at Hui College when we first started now becoming adults, making adult decisions. I'm thankful for that. Thankful to see folks that have been discipled here at Hui College now discipling other people. I remember Min and Anton Smith when they first came to our church. Min wasn't saved. She got saved here at Hui College. And we saw 
growth in their lives and they moved to Washington State for a little bit and they came back and they said, Pastor, this is where God's called us. This is where we need to be. And I took time and I personally discipled Anton and Min myself. I remember when Lauren was born and, and how exciting that was for us. Lauren will turn four at the end of this month. <coughs> and just seeing growth in their lives. And then when we started our connect groups, I asked Anton if he would lead one of our connect groups and he did. And I asked Min if she would leading discipleship, one of our young ladies in our church, and she said she would. She said, I don't feel, I don't feel ready for it, but I'm willing to do it. And she was willing to disciple somebody, and now to see the fruit that's come from their lives. It didn't come overnight. And I think both of them would tell you when they first came to who we call it, they were a mess. But God did a work in their life. It wasn't overnight. It took time. But now we're seeing that come to fruition. Anton had a, a co-worker in church this morning. What is that? That's fruit from a seed that God planted five and a half years ago. Their daughter, she's four. She loves Jesus. She loves church. Two weeks ago on a, a Sunday night, she came to me and she says, Pastor, can I stay with you? I said, sure. And she said, okay. And I looked at, at Anton. I go, what is that? And he says, she says she doesn't want to leave church. She started crying. She was like, I don't want to leave church. I just want to stay. And he goes, well, tell the pastor. I said, sweetheart, you can stay. That's fine. She goes, okay. I go, but you can't ever go home with your parents again. She goes, okay, I don't want to stay. <laughs> but you know what? I look at that and see a little girl being brought up in church, loving Jesus. You know what that is? That's fruit that got planted five years ago that we're just now beginning to see a little bud breaking through. And you know what's going to happen if her parents are persistent and consistent? We're going to see an 18-year-old girl graduate from high school one day that loves Jesus and wants to do great things with her life because of what was put in her for 18 years leading up to that. Everybody likes a quick fix. I can't tell you how many couples have attended who we call that they came in that their marriage was a mess and they wanted God to fix it in two weeks. Hey, you didn't get into this mess in two weeks, but if you're persistent and consistent, I guarantee you you'll see the fruit that you want. But you have to be faithful. Will you be faithful? can I look you up 20 years from now and still see you serving Jesus somewhere? Or would I look you up in 20 years and find out that your marriage is falling apart and you're living with somebody who's not your spouse and you got kids out of wedlock and you're just trying to figure life out again? You say, well, pastor, that would never happen to anybody in our church. I wish that was the case. I really do. Angela and I were in a, a single, or I'm sorry, a married couples uh, group in California. We moved there in 2003. Uh, Lancaster Baptist Church, we got plugged into a singles, or I'm sorry, a couples uh, Sunday school class. It was called the Young Couples Class at the first, and everybody started getting a little bit older, and they changed their name to something else. Uh, but at the time, it was the Young Couples Class. There was probably, I would say, 20 or so married couples, and these people were at church three times a week, loved Jesus, kids went to school together the whole nine yards. Of those 20 couples, there's probably about six of us that are still married. And you say, well, that wouldn't happen if these people were in a solid church. No, they were in a solid church. Oh, it wouldn't happen if they had good community. No, they had good community. Well, it wouldn't happen if their kids were in Christian school. No, their kids were in Christian school. What happened? People just stopped sowing the good seed. And they began to say things like this. Well, I deserve to be happy. When am I going to get what I want? When do I get to do for me instead of having to do for everybody else? And then they started sowing seeds of selfishness. They forgot about that love, joy, peace, long-suffering, they forgot about all that. They started sowing fleshly seed. And what happened? They reaped corruption. Could I look you up 20 years from now and still see you serving Jesus faithfully? I hope so. I really do. But it's going to require you to be consistent and persistent to see 
the good harvest. Final thought here tonight. Invest your life in others, especially your fellow brothers and sisters in Jesus. Verse number 10, as we have therefore opportunity, let us do good unto all men, especially unto them who are the household of faith. One of the hallmarks of solid, legitimate, spirit-filled Christians is they want to do good for other people. The word selfish Christian is an oxymoron. The whole point of being a Christian is that you live an others-focused life. The whole point is that I'm looking out for other people, not myself. I'm concerned about the well-being of others more than I'm concerned about myself. I'm concerned more about the glory of God than I'm concerned about what I get. And this verse here, verse number 10, tells us that we should spend our life investing in other people. I want to sow good seed into other people's lives. I want to sow good works into other people's lives. Why? So that people can look at how great I am? No, so that people can look at our Father and, be, and our Father can be glorified. I don't want my life to be magnified. I want Jesus to be magnified through my life. But at the end of the day, it says here, if we're gonna prioritize who we take care of, make sure you're taking care of your brothers and sisters in Christ. It says, especially them that are of the household of faith. You know why? Because the church can't be what it's supposed to be if the church isn't strong. This church cannot impact our city, our state, our world, if we're not strong ourselves. So as we strengthen the body, the body now has greater capacity to do good for the community. We gotta take care of ourselves first. This means you personally walking in righteousness and holiness. This means you personally being concerned about the well-being of your brothers and sisters in Christ. Some people have said, well, I think our handshaking time here is a little bit long. Okay, what other times throughout the week do you fellowship with your brothers and sisters in Christ? Most of us don't. So I have a long, long handshaking time. And again, it's not about how comfortable you can be during the handshaking time. It's about how you can love and serve other people during that time. Get to know other Christians. You need that. I need that. If you have a brother and sister in need, that's what we do. We take care of them because that's what family does because we're brothers and sisters in Christ. This is what it means to be part of a family. And if you didn't grow up in a healthy family where that was the case, welcome to a healthy family. Slightly dysfunctional, but mostly healthy, Right? We don't live for ourselves, we live for others. That's the Christian life. Invest in other people. Sow seed in the lives of others. Some of you that have been married a couple of decades need to spend some time with these guys that have maybe just gotten married for a few years. Take them to coffee, invite them to your house. You whose kids are grown and gone should spend some time with these folks who have little kids running around and just love on them and encourage them and tell them to keep, keep up the fight, it's worth it. You that are younger in your faith should grab coffee with some folks that are older in their faith and say, hey, tell me what it means to walk with Jesus for a decade plus. Tell me what it means to be a solid Christian in your workplace. I need to know that. I need, I need that from you. And as we sow seed in the lives of others, here's the thing. You won't, won't always get a, the crop that you're hoping for, but that's because you're not the Lord of the harvest. God is. I can't tell you how many times in my life somebody sowed something in my life that they never saw the fruit from, but it came later. That's the idea of the harvest. We have to be really, really careful about what we're sowing. I want to challenge you with this tonight. If there's sin in your life, you're sowing that, and let me just tell you, what's coming on the other end of that is terrible. You don't want it. Stop it. Confess it. Repent. Move on from it. Don't ever touch it again. Begin sowing good seed in your life. Is your marriage a marriage of love? 
joy, peace, long-suffering? Is your workplace a place of love, joy? You're like, oh, definitely not. Good, then make it that. You get to be the change agent. Well, nobody's going to change. Good, then at least they'll see what an authentic Christian really lives like. Nobody else changes. Hey, if nobody else is going to live for Jesus, I will. And start sowing the seed that you want to see come to fruition. Love your wife. Serve your wife. Love your husband. Serve your husband. You're going to want to see the harvest that comes from that. Sow the gospel this week. Know your faith enough to share it with people. We have training times on the the calendar this year to help you to better share your faith with other people. I want to help you get the seed out there. Just grab a gospel track and leave it somewhere where somebody will find it this week. Just do your part in sowing seed. Most important thing in the world, if you're here tonight and you don't even know that you're saved, don't leave here tonight without knowing for sure your sins are forgiven because all of the seed you sow in your life will not amount to a hill of beans in eternity if you're not saved. You need to know for sure your sins are forgiven. You need to know for sure that heaven's your home. And if that's you tonight, you don't know for sure. Do not leave here tonight without making sure that your sins are forgiven and heaven is your home. But for those of us that are Christians this week, let's take care to the type of seeds that we sow. Hey, if I watch this television show in my home this week with my children around, what message does that send? What seed does that show sow in my kid's life? We made a decision in our home very, very early on. Any television show, documentary you're watching, the Lord's name in vain is taken, it's immediately off. We're not going to let blasphemy come in our house. Done, not even going to discuss it. And the first time my kids saw me grab that remote and turn it off, they knew, okay, he's serious about this. I remember growing up in a home where we said, oh, you know, pornography's bad, but we'd watch a movie that was an R-rated movie and things would come on and be like, oh, just don't look at it, right? You have to look back every now and then to see if it was over yet, but don't look at it, you know? I realized very early on, it's okay to look at those things as long as other people don't see you looking at them. That's a seed that was sown in my life that I had to figure out later. That was bad seed. Every decision we make is a seed that's sown. Let's sow good seed this week. Thanks for joining us for the Hui Kala Baptist Church podcast. We'd love to have you as our guest this Sunday morning at 10 a.m. You'll find exciting classes for your keiki, a welcoming church family, and a message from the Bible that's sure to encourage your heart. Join us this Sunday. You belong here.